This is a podcast from Rover. Welcome into Rex Rural Exchange right across the country on Today FM. Thank you for joining us and I uh, hope you've had a good week wherever you are, uh, whatever you might be up to. We're here with Carter's Tyres, uh, the great team from Carter's Tyres who've been the backbone of this show for, well, since uh, through its entirety, really going back to when we kicked off way back in uh, twenty. 17. Thank you for joining us, Rural and Urban New Zealand. Hamish Mackay, Rebecca Graves, your team. Bex, how's your week been down there in the mighty Pongaroa? Oh, yeah, just uh, chipping away. Managed to muster all of the stock out of the back half of the farm, which took, I think, Richard and a friend about five hours on foot. Yep. Uh, we were a bit worried because some of the ewes had quite a lot of fly in them, so they've all come in now. They've been dipped and vaccinated, and that's uh, really good. Yeah, that's that's great progress. Uh, yep, and, and of course, uh, this is what's happening up and down the country, particularly up and down the east coast uh, of the North Island, where all this work is uh, extra work that is is going on. And uh, we know you'll have a, a very busy time wherever you are, but our thoughts are with you. And uh, we're going to find out uh, very shortly uh, what is going on from a federated farmer's perspective there. We're going to be talking to CEO Terry Copeland. But before we do that, Bex, uh, just on a, on a lighter note, I'm feeling a little bit flat because this time, uh, you know, as as we uh, put together a bit of our Friday show, we were heading off to the Golden Shears. Um, oh, you, know, you, were, you were like yeah. a kid in a candy store at that oh, place. I just, I just loved it. The Friday night, we were lucky enough to be there uh, for the top 30. Um, I don't know what it is, but I it, it felt as good as it did to me when I went there as a 12-year-old way back in 1978. Yeah, it was, it was great Can fun. I just... Can I just say though, who picked who picked the right man? Who uh, backed the right horse? Oh, uh, I thought you might get in there, but I was going. I was trying to come up with an analogy because I knew that you would do that. Um, that's a bit like saying, "Who's the king?" <laughs> of course, of rock- I was going to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, who's the king of rock and roll? You know, Roland Smith or Elvis Presley? You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, hey, well, do I you know thought- what you said? You said I'm not allowed to pick him next year, and I I thought, well, you know what, you snooze, you lose. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I, I had to give you because I I've picked him seven other times, and I had no doubt he would win. But I thought my man would make toll, at least make the final, but he didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh, next year. Next, next year, year might be his year. No, oh, don't know. I think that it'll come around again, and Roland will think, oh, look, actually, you know what? I better do it. I better go down there. So he'll be there, and he'll be he'll be hard to beat. Righty-ho, well, first up today, Cyclone Gabriel is shaping up to be New Zealand's most expensive weather event in uh, terms of spread and scale and maybe even worse than the Christchurch earthquake. Uh, That's the assessment of Federated Farmers. And to learn more, we heard from CEO Terry Copeland, who caught up with uh, Bex just a few minutes ago. Okay, good morning, Terry, and welcome to the show. So you have seen the devastation from the cyclone firsthand? Yes, I went to the Hawke's Bay a couple of weeks ago just to have a good look uh, at ground level and support some people that we have up there to support farmers in general. And which areas did you go to and and what did you observe while you were there? Yeah, went down to central Hawke's Bay uh, and then spent probably the majority of the time through um, sort of near Napier and Hastings predominantly. And you spoke with groups of farmers uh, and individual farmers and I guess the thing that I found the hardest was that uh, there's pockets of damage and then you go around the corner and it's absolutely fine. And for those people, there's that that mix of, well, there's nothing really wrong here versus those who are in absolute need. Uh, And balancing that's going to be really tough going forward. 
Yeah, I went to visit my family for the first time on Wednesday and, and they're not far from a very affected area. Mm. I'm kind of surprised by, there is a lot of damage to the farm, but their home is okay. But, you know, five minutes down the road, people were swimming out their bedroom window kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I understand you're no stranger to circumstances like this, obviously slightly different kind of natural disaster, but you lost your home in the earthquake, I understand. Yes, in Christchurch in 2011, yeah. So definitely identify with the sort of range of emotions that people are going through. And we talk a lot about the day three, the three weeks, the three months uh, signals. And so at day three, your adrenaline wears off uh, and you're in shock. And then uh, three weeks, which is about where we are now, mm. or just a little bit more, is where you, you have this sort of sense of enormity of the scale of it. You, you know, people now understand how widespread it is. Uh, you've spoken to a lot of people. And that sort of overwhelming feeling of, of the enormity of the situation. And then um, that, makes people, that can make people angry. It can make people certainly very emotional. And then what's even more worrying, I think, is at the three-month mark where you know, be, be saying, well, look, I'm not seeing any progress being made and that sort of sense of hopelessness could set into some people. Um, and because it's going to take months for some people, it's going to take years for others to actually get things working through. Like, for example, in Christchurch, it took over 10 years for all of the roads that were affected to be um, fixed. Um, and that's just because of scale. And here we, we, we're no different because you've got nine provinces, yes, Hawke's Bay and Tairawhiti are the worst affected, but it affects nine provinces. And so um, you know, it is probably going to be a decade for some people before they actually see real progress uh, in getting their lives back together. Yeah, and that, that does seem like a very long period of time, doesn't it? Yeah. So I know the government has thrown about $50 million at this so far in terms of the farmer relief fund of which we have been mm. a recipient already and I'm very grateful for that um, but it's going to, let's be honest it's going to, to take more than that isn't it it's going to be very costly It's $10,000 per say pastoral sheep and beef farmer yeah. it's really a drop in the ocean isn't it Yes, it is. And, and look, to be fair on the government, they're never going to be able to come out up front and cover the cost of these things until we really know the scale and how we're going to uh, approach things. What I will applaud them on is the speed in which they've actually been able to get money out to people. I've never seen a process where you can apply and within sort of 48 hours, people have got money in their bank accounts that they can actually start to use to put towards some uh, immediate uh, repair stuff, whether it be... Uh, to get a digger and actually start getting that uh, driveway access or, or track uh, rebuilt to get the stock in and out or whatever it might be. Um, so the speed is really good. Um, I'm glad they've also increased the amount. They doubled it uh, last week. As you said, they just over $50 million. Um, But look, we've estimated at this point that we think the, the cost of farmers and growers out there is probably in excess of a billion dollars, and a big, big chunk of that is uninsurable. Yeah, Um I, I'd have to agree with you on both points. Uh, I applied the day it opened, and we had it in the bank uh, by the Friday morning, which I was extremely impressed by. But also, yes, most of our damage on our farm, uh, and I'm just using our farm as an example because it's obviously something that I can relate to, but uh, the majority of it is, is uninsured because it's tracks and things like that considered to be land. Um, yeah. Know, what we're going to get in insurance it will be very little compared to the overall cost. But, um, wow, in the excess of a billion dollars, that's a lot. 
Yeah, so what we did, I mean, it's very easy to say these numbers, but what we did is we looked at the the 2004 floods that affected five provinces. We actually have some reasonably good numbers uh, of what it looked like then, and um, obviously we have to inflation adjust those to present day values, and then look at the fact that nine provinces provinces instead of five. Um, and we're also looking at things like um, much more significant uh, damage to horticulture infrastructure. And those things were a lot more expensive to fix. So if you lose an apple orchard, for example, uh, and I drove pa- uh, past a, a, an orchard in Dartmoor where all you could see was uh, a barren landscape with silt on it. There was nothing. There were no trees, no posts, nothing. And I don't even know where those trees would have gone. Mm. Uh, wouldn't you'd have no clue it was even an orchard once upon a time. So if that costs um, you know, over $100,000 a hectare to plant, um, and then you've got to wait five years for a, for a crop. I mean, that, that's pretty devastating to grow. In fact, I don't even know how you'd come back from that. Oh, um, it would break your heart, wouldn't it? And, yes, it would. And as a, I'm less, I have less um, experience with the horticulture sector, but yes, obviously their amount of uh, infrastructure investment over a very small amount of land is so much greater than, say, an extensive right. country sheep and beef farm. So it is, you know, their property may be very small and therefore all they've got might have been completely wiped out in an event like this. Yeah, and unlike, you know, sheep and beef farming where, you know, even if you lost all of your herd, uh, which would be, you know, devastating, you can replace them and be up and running within a year uh, in most cases. Um, but, you know, if you've got to wait five years to get a crop, um, assuming you can actually replant it, um, that's a different kind of devastation, really. Yeah, OK. Um, the other thing I'd like to ask you about, Terry, is I, I read an article this morning uh, regarding a letter Federated Farmers had written to David Parker around the RMA and the possibility mm-hmm. of, you know, farmers being able to get on, and it's, I guess it's the destocking thing that's quite a concern. Uh, yeah. Can you sort of update me on the situation there and what sort of response you've had from the government about the RMA and what you'd like to see happen there? Yeah, so uh, early on we wrote to the government and and to Minister Parker in particular about um, an experience that the government did, well it was a previous government, did in 2016 after the Kaikoura earthquakes and that was around creating uh, an emergency relief bill uh, that basically allowed farmers to not be too concerned about applying for consents and all that paperwork stuff um, and go on and start doing things like replacing culverts or um, you know, new tracks on farm without uh, fear of being prosecuted or any of those things, just to allow farmers to get on and do stuff. Um, because at the moment, um, there's just absolutely no certainty that you can actually do anything. Um, we did get a response. It just t- it took a little bit of time. Um, and, and whilst Minister Parker agrees uh, that there is um, some need to, to modify the RMA in this case, uh, he was a little bit non-committal about timing on this. So we've gone back uh, again and offered him some uh, technical help from our team. We've, we've got lawyers, planners, policy people that can help uh, MFE shape shape up this uh, legislative change. And so what I was referring to is in 2016, there was a piece of uh, legislation called the Hiranui Kaikoura Earthquake Emergency Relief Act 2016. And it just gave farmers certainty that they could just get on and do stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that you can be a cowboy and just go and do anything. Uh, but uh, if you follow you know, sensible uh, practice, 
then you can go in and do some, make some decisions on farm to actually, yeah. If it's tracks to get uh, stock off, you've got to think that's a massive priority. Well, it's animal welfare, isn't it? Correct. And I think, as, like you say, as long as people are using their common sense, which I like to think most people would, um, yep. Yep. you know, it just there would be nothing worse than having had your farm destroyed or partially destroyed mm. and you do this work because you need to get your stock out and then you get prosecuted. I mean, that yep. would just be the straw that broke yep. the camel's back. Yeah, it absolutely would be. Yeah, and so, yeah, we're, we're hopeful that we'll do something in the space, but we'll just keep pushing. Well, that sounds great. I um I look forward to hearing that you've made some progress on that. Yeah. Um, any message, any sort of last message before we let you go, Terry, for those farmers out there? I know you've obviously been and, and seen some of them and uh, talked to them firsthand. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. The big message is that you know farmers aren't being forgotten here. And whilst you know sometimes it might look like no one's in your corner or it's all you know up against you, there's a lot of stuff being done. Um, to you know, make sure that there's good progress that can be made early. We've, we're standing up the Farmy Army next week, which is we've called for farmers outside of those affected regions to volunteer some time uh, who've got skills who can go out and do some fencing or you know, if there's fly strike on farms, we've got to go and share some sheep or, or, or drive a digger and, and help cut new tracks. Um, we've so far got over 600 farmers who've uh, registered uh, and we're now starting to get um, not that number yet because um, particularly in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay we're seeing um, we're not quite ready for farmers to be able to reach out from an from a infrastructure point of view and they're still in a state of emergency but we'll, we'll expect by next week a similar number of farmers reaching out to want that kind of help and then we'll coordinate how you know who goes to where how they're going to be fed and watered and accommodated and all those sorts of things. Um, just to show that all of New Zealand is behind us. Well, that's fantastic. I think that Farmy Army name was very synonymous, wasn't it, after uh, the earthquakes? And yeah, that's right. It, it, would be, it would be great to see that reactivated again. So thank you very much for your time this morning. That was uh, Federated Farmers CEO Terry Copeland, and I'm Rebecca Greaves for Rural Exchange. There we go. That is uh, Federated Farmers CEO Terry Copeland there talking to Bexpex the, uh, towards the end of the interview there. Um, and I kind of wrote down this note because I was able to dive in and hear that. Uh, bugger the consents was what I put down, but it wasn't quite what Terry was saying. But um, within uh, reason, you know, you, you know, some of this red tape stuff's just got to be set aside, doesn't it, in terms of getting on and uh, repairing the farm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case of balancing... What's sensible, I guess no one wants to be breaking the law, but people can't afford to wait in some cases, yeah. and such as the scale of it, I guess he's just saying that people need to be able to get on and start fixing things and repairing things without fear of prosecution. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Bang on. Uh, great question. Great, uh, great area to go into in terms of... Yeah, in terms of uh, that, you know, we don't, you know, tracks and culverts, all those things that need to happen without a whole lot of, you know, um, palaver to go with it. And also the farming army, like the sound of the farming army. And the, and I and you would have heard this, you would have, you know, you would have sort of gone, I know, who will be getting excited, share some, share some sheep, share some sheep. I need to get out there in the farming army.
Get my handpiece. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they need you. They need yeah. you, Hamish. You've oh, been they called. Need you. I've been called. It's my call in the farmy army. Good stuff. Righty, we'll take a break when we come back. Uh, thanks very much there to Terry Copeland with some great insight into $1 billion and much of it uninsurable. And, you know, God, if you owned an apple orchard, you know, that's just heartbreaking uh, when you put yeah. that into context, eh? Five years minimum. Yeah. It's just the fact that there's so much investment and yep. so much infrastructure in such a small amount yeah. of land, as I yeah. was saying to Terry. And I yeah. think for those guys, some of them will have literally lost everything, yeah. you know, everything. their home probably included. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our thoughts are with all of those affected on whatever level. Uh, thanks to this bloody dastardly cyclone, Gabriel. We'll take a break when we come back. It is uh, time for a week of it.